Two weeks before the start of the government's final fiscal quarter, factions in Congress and the White House appear nowhere near any agreement. So does another shutdown loom as a possibility? Joining me with a near-term outlook, the Fulcrum editor-in-chief, David Hawkins. And it seems like a year ago now, doesn't it, David? Well, it seems like an eternity ago, and yet like a minute ago, and, and yes, I think we're heading towards another one. Well, tell us the internal dynamics here. The Trump administration has its budget proposal, which even Republicans don't seem to be paying a lot of attention to. And is there more of an agreement dynamic among Republicans and Democrats behind the scenes at this point? Yes, we can only have this conversation irrespective of the president for for so for so long. But we should start by saying that yes, there is um, there is an agreement, a tentative agreement, or at least an uh, certainly a, uh, agreement to reach an agreement um, between really being driven by uh, the two top uh, appropriators, the two t- senators who are the lead on the Senate Appropriations uh, Committee. Patrick Leahy, the Democrat of Vermont, and then the chairman, Richard Shelby, Republican of Alabama. Those two are longtime appropriators. They, you've heard me say this on the air before, but it sort of bears repeating that the old, the an old adage of Congress, one of the few old adages that still hold true, um, is that appropriators act like a different breed. Some people say there are three parties in Congress, the Republicans, the Democrats, and the appropriators. The appropriators are more old school more eager to get a deal, more eager essentially to to solve impasses by spending a little bit more money than not. And those two, uh, it seems, are very close to uh, an agreement on how much money should be spent in the coming, coming year. Uh, there isn't quite the same level of agreement between the two top appropriators on the House side, uh, the new chairman, chairwoman, Nita Lowy, and the new top uh, rep- Republican Kay Granger, but they are, um, but but they also are appropriators, and they want to get a deal done, and they want to do it in time, in plenty of time, to forestall any shutdown uh, at the start of October, and they want to do it in such a way that would compel Congress to raise these so-called sequester caps that a lot of people have sort of forgotten about, but are still out there. These automatic spending cuts, pretty significant spending cuts, something on the order of a hundred billion dollars that would slice into the budget indiscriminately at the end of December unless Congress votes to lift them. Now, it was two years ago, not even last year, that the president said, I'll never sign a budget like that again. But if 2020 looks like 19 and 18, then either he's going to sign it again or then we have that same impasse that we had for led to the 35-day shutdown last year. That's right. And and of course, but the president has signaled uh, that he is uh, he is not letting go of his border wall fight, that he wants to fight that all over again this fall, uh, that that condition for him agreeing to things like raising, if there's going to be an increase in the spending caps or if there's going to be an agreement on overall spending, that that's, that that's the price that he is signaling that he wants for his agreement to all this. Uh, I don't think the Democrats are going to go for that any more than they did in the past year. Um, especially now that, as we remember, the president has now declared an emergency and has tried to anyway. So I think it's a little bit of a Groundhog Day thing where we're 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 going down the same uh, the same deliberations about the border wall as before. The only thing that makes it different, and more importantly, so is this looming uh, decision. Well, two things. One of which we haven't even mentioned yet is not only are there these looming. Uh, automatic so-called sequester spending cuts, but sometime this fall, uh, 
there's going to be an obligation of the federal government to make an affirmative decision to increase the limit on federal borrowing. Uh, we've talked about this before. The United States is one of only a couple of countries in the world where the government actually has to make an affirmative decision uh, to not default, to actually r uh, go and borrow more money to cover its to cover its debts. Um, and we should I, I also hasten to add that this is not a decision to spend more money. This is simply a decision to make good on the debts that previous Congresses and previous presidents sure. uh, on the decisions they've made. We're speaking with Fulcrum Editor-in-Chief David Hawkins and switching gears to something a little less universal but also kind of indicative of change is a story you have with respect to summer interns in Congress getting paid. That's starting to spread, and that's a relatively new phenomenon. It is. It's, it's, that's sort of a happier a happier story to talk about than what we were just talking about, which is, yes, the, um, there, 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 is, um, there is a not, not-for-profit that has paid, that has, that has come up with enough money to pay a, a class of about two dozen interns, essentially what amounts to about $20,000 a summer, $25,000 a summer, to make sure they can come to Congress and have all their expenses paid, uh, travel money, housing stipend, even some clothing allowance uh, to come to Congress and, and work. Uh, this is the third year that that organization has done that. Uh, and then this year, for the first time, Congress itself uh, has appropriated, I think it's $19 million, I believe it is, to allow every uh, House member to have an intern or two and every senator to have an intern or two or three, depending on the size of that senator's state, and to give them uh, a stipend to come and work. The idea here is that um, if this is a good government move, and the idea of the people who've been promoting this, that Congress will work better if more people of, with more diversity, uh, a more diverse workforce will lead to a better and more functioning Congress. That's not just an gender diversity and ethnic diversity, but economic diversity, and then having a chance to learn public service up close, work on Capitol Hill up close, should not just be the province of uh, young people who's, uh, who can afford to come and work in Washington for free, whose parents are, are campaign donors or who are, or are otherwise pretty well off and can do this, that what, what's really needed uh, is to get more people interested in public service and Congress who are from all walks of economic life and that what is is what is starting to happen. All right, and then one last topic briefly I saw on the fulcrum was election security spending getting back to Nita Lowy and the House Appropriations Committee they voted to fund to a third of a billion dollars money for election security. Where would that money go and in what form and who would decide where it went where, where it goes? Well, it would it would be it would be it would go to the states as grants the the the, the Congress appropriated I think 300 million um, a year ago, and it was quickly gobbled up by the states. This is to, to allow them to buy uh, more modern voting equipment, uh, to return so a little bit of a back to the future in the world of, of voting, where now it's considered a best practice to have an elect a voting machine with a paper trail that can be audited, that can serve as a backstop. Uh, against um, any allegations of, of fraud or hacking, the money that got the 300 got gobbled up very, very quickly. As I say, by the states, there's a lot more demand for this money. It, it, if it if it is not appropriated um, by the fall, it will be difficult for the states and sure. the counties that administer our, our elections to actually spend them spend the money by by November to get the the new equipment in place by next fall. And maybe some of those paid interns on the Hill can search Facebook for Russian trolling. You never know what those interns are asked to do.
<laughs> David Hawkins is editor-in-chief of the Fulcrum. As always, thanks so much. Thank you, Tom. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. Hey, I'm Smokey Bear, and I made an assistant to help you out, because only you can prevent wildfires. Hey, Assistant Smokey Bear, call me Papa Bear, because I'm grilling up dinner. <laughs> do you get it? Yes, good job. So, what should I do with all these coals? Don't just toss them out. Put them in a metal container, because those embers can start a wildfire. I understand. The stakes... Or high. Ha, 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 ha. Learn more at SmokeyBear.com. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council.